the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia Hyatt also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in your relationships as well as artfully handling life's challenges. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com and make sure to follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for listening today. This is Conversations with Cynthia. Hope you're having a nice Sunday. And I'm glad that you joined today because we are going to talk about the issue of peace and that, that really amazing crazy, frustrating word, why? Why, why, why? Why we say why? Why is all this happening? Why are we dealing with this? Why do we go through this? And trying to understand our world, trying to understand others, ourselves, God. And so I wanted to talk about peace today and and what God has left us with, what Jesus left us with was his parting gift to us was peace. And so when we say the word why, so many times that really is kind of an issue of control. And so one of my colleagues years ago had sent me this devotional, and I just love it. And I want to read a little part of it for you. And it says, why? Why demands answers, accountability, understanding, and a desire for control. It seeks a capacity to argue the premise to reconfigure the situation in some way that will alter the current reality. It demands that an incomprehensible world be made sensible. By asking why, I am stewing in my angst or frustration or fear, and I'm ready to fight or flee. But what do I do with this? Ask that question. What do I do with this versus asking the question why? If I ask what do I do with this, <clears throat> that, that statement helps me look forward, not back. It seeks direction more than clear understanding. It takes reality as it is and not as we wish it would be. And it allows us to seek our call in the present moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is really imperative that we really practice this question. What do I do with this time, Lord? What do I do with this situation versus why? Because it, it, it offers us a desire for faithful service instead of controlling things when we ask that question. With this question, I don't stew, but I instead sit with the reality before me. 
and let us hold it gently. Experiencing Christ sitting right beside me, holding me gently as well. So I want you to think about what this means to us. What do we do with this is what we want to ask the Lord. We want to ask ourselves. We want to ask others. What do we do with this? Instead of just asking the question that has no answer, or at least it has a very complicated answer, we don't want to ask why. So when I started putting this show together this morning, <clears throat> I, I always like to read a devotional in the morning. And the one that I is really my favorite that has been enduring through a great majority of my adult life is Streams in the Desert. And it's a very old devotional, so it has really old English in it. And um, But I was amazed as I was doing this show when I... After I finished putting it all together, I went and read my devotion, and my devotion was exactly what the show was about. So I want to read this to you, and this is how it goes. It says, the servant of the Lord must be gentle. That's how it starts, and that's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20, verse 24. When God finally conquers us and changes our unyielding nature, we receive deep insights into the Spirit of Jesus. Then as never before, we see his extraordinary gentleness of spirit at work in this dark and unheavenly world. Yet the fruits of the spirit do not automatically become evident in our lives. We're not as discerning enough to recognize their availability to us, to desire them, to nourish them in our thoughts. And, and if we don't nourish them in our thoughts, they will never become embedded in our nature or behavior. See, when we start asking the word why, we're not able to recognize the availability of the gifts of the Spirit. Every further step of spiritual growth in God's grace must be preceded by the knowledge that, or the lack of a godly attribute than by exhibiting prayerful determination to obtain it. Now, what does that really mean? It means that when we are growing spiritually in God's grace, we have to come with an open mind that acknowledges that we are lacking something. This is why we say, God, what do, you want me, what do you want me to do with this? So th there's not very many Christians that were, are willing to endure the suffering that really complete gentleness and how gentleness is manifested. It's difficult for us to be gentle in a harsh world. So it means that we're experiencing genuine brokenness. I mean, that crushing of self, I, I, I'm not a real fan of it, but <laughs> I love the work that comes out of me when I allow that to happen. And see, today, lots of people are attempting to use their mental capacity and logical thinking to obtain a sanctified lifestyle. And that's just, that's just re religious fabrication. N and they believe that if they mentally put themselves on the altar, that somehow the logical conclusion is that they're fully sanctified. And they go happily along their merry way, you know, expressing these flippant theological babble about deep things of God. And we have to be very careful about being Christians in this day and age that we don't give people flippant answers. That we say to them as well, I don't know how to answer that word why. But I'm looking to see what I can do 
with what this is and what's being presented. And this is imperative so that we actually can be to others what they need us to be. And we can be to the world what God is wanting us to be, what Jesus was. So let's talk about this saying, the peace that passes all understanding, because we really do need peace right now. And this was written by a man named Edward Welsh, and I really, really like the way that he did this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of paraphrase it, but I'm going to read you some of what he, what he has said, because it was very encouraging to me. And he's talking about the, the very well-known scripture and pa- in passage in scripture. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So isn't that interesting? It surpasses all understanding. See, we want to use that logical part of our brain to understand something, and if we understand it, then we can settle down. If we understand what's going on, then we feel like we have some modicum of control. And see, this is an easy enough prayer. The prayer plus thankfulness equals peace. And going through the steps to get to peace... And I would like to think that that worked every time. But when I'm anxious, I pray. But my mind, it kind of drifts back and forth about all these anxious circumstances. And I get kind of down rabbit trails and and sidetracked. Because when when I'm anxious, my mind is is drifting back to all the circumstances. It starts to try to figure things out. And I try to solve the problem. And so I have a difficult time sometimes staying focused on a prayer because I start following my mind where it's going. And thinking that maybe I'd be better at Thanksgiving, I start to just try to thank God for a lot of things. But my mind still starts to wander to where there is no peace in my mind. And I want peace. I want understanding with peace versus just the peace of God. And so we go back to the passage, and, and let's look at that passage of the, the Prince of Peace. This is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it says, when the Lord is near, he says, it, this commands us to not be anxious. And typically, it comes after the reason why, right? <laughs> we don't have to be anxious. But in this case, the reason was slipped into this preceding verse, and it says, the Lord is at hand, I love that. The Prince of Peace in Isaiah, that's the Old Testament. The New Testament, Philippians 4, 5, says peace is is here because the Lord is at hand. This changes everything. See, the emphasis is now not on how we pray. It's on, on how the God who has come close, who hears and who is with us, comes closer to us and we come closer to him. And then we understand that the only thing that could separate us from his love and presence are our sins. And they've been washed away by the blood of Christ. So isn't it true that the presence of another person in our frightful situation sometimes lessens our fears? And fear doesn't necessarily want a series of impersonal steps. It really wants a person. 
Nobody likes to be alone when, when they're afraid. And walking into dark places, I, I, most of us are, are, have a little trepidation. So we want to hold someone's hand in that dark place, right? <clears throat> but this path to peace and comfort really is more about meditating on what God's name means. And Emmanuel means God with us. So remember how the Spirit of Jesus was given to us. It's not limited by his physical body. It's him. He lives in us. He's not confined to just being present in his body. We have him with us. So the beautiful thing about this is that we can say to ourselves, what am I to do with this? What am I to do about this? Instead of why, I say, God, what do you want me to do about this? And probably what he's saying to us is meditate on me. Meditate on my name. Understand I am with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I am with you to the end of the day. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining today. And we are talking about the peace that passes all understanding. We're talking about when Jesus said to us, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And and I really love this this um, other devotional that I read, which is also in Streams in the Desert, because this is so poignant for this time. And this says, we know that in all things God works for good, for those who love and, and who have been called according to his purposes. And that's Romans eight twenty eight. What a tremendous claim that Paul is making in this verse. He, he doesn't say, we know that in some things, or we know in most things, or even in joyful things. He is saying, in all things, God is going to work things together for good. And that promise spans from the very smallest detail of life to the most important and from the most humbling of daily tasks to God's greatest works of grace that he performs during a crisis. So I like the fact that Paul states this in the present tense. He says God works. He doesn't say God worked or God will work. It's a continuing operation. God works. So the work is never done until he returns. So he is working every day through what we are going through right now, what you are going through individually, what your friends, what your family, what your company, who, whoever you care for and think about, God is working in them. And it is a continuing operation. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. So we also know from Scripture that God's justice is like the great deep. And that there are angels in heaven and they're watching the development of God's great plan. And certainly they're proclaiming the Lord is righteous in all his ways, loving, 
toward all he has made. That is such a comforting thing to think that the angels are believing this. That's Psalms 145, verse 17. That the Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all that he has made. All. Not the people that love me. This verse says, to all that he has made. And that God orchestrates all things for good. And so it's this beautiful blending because he requires many different colors, which individually may first appear quite scary or drab or obnoxious or repelling. But as he weaves it, as he works with it, he begins to create this wonderfully harmonious pattern with things that would never fit together. And so our world right now is really being shaken up, and especially our country. It's kind of like, you know, the snow globe. It's like it, it, it shakes up and we, we're waiting for it to all land. And, and we think it's kind of starting to land and settle, and it shakes up again. But God knows what he's doing. And so he is able to put everything together, combine it and complete it so that it then becomes perfect balance and harmony. And we really can learn this lesson of faith. In John chapter 13, verse 7, it says, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. This is what we want to think about. Who do we trust in? And when Jesus was with us, he said, this is my peace I give to you. I am always I am always with you. John chapter 14 verse 27 says, I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned, bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. And in the voice version of the Bible, it says, my peace is a legacy I leave to you. I don't give you gifts like those of this world. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. See, peace is God's parting gift to us. He could have said, I leave you with, um, you know, glory. I leave you with healing. He could have said, I leave you with lots of money. I leave you with... Um, I don't know, strength, excitement, intelligence, whatever. But what did he say? He said, peace. That's what humans need. They need peace more than anything. They need to know they're going to be okay. That is the number one thing that humans need, mammals. We need to know we're going to be okay. We need to know the things that we love will be okay. The people that we love will be okay. We don't want to be tortured. We don't want to have everything stolen from us, ripped out from underneath us, and and wonder if we're ever going to be okay again. So God is saying to us, I'm leaving you with peace. It's my parting gift to you. It's the last thing. I'm going to leave you with the most important thing before before I ascend to heaven. I'm leaving you my peace. I'm not going to leave you the way you're used to being left. I'm not going to let you feel abandoned or bereft. Because I am with you always. And what a beautiful thing that idea is. That he is with us always. So 
Jesus must have known how important peace was to our hearts, our souls, our mind, our physical bodies. You see, he himself dealt with immense struggles here on earth, yet, yet he never worried. So why was Jesus able to make such good decisions and never be anxious? Well, he was always in communion with his father, which caused him to be continually at peace. Even if he was having a bad day, even if he was, you know, going off in the temple, he's still in his gut, in his heart of hearts, knew things were going to be okay. Because he trusted in his father. So Jesus gave us his peace as his legacy. So we need to learn to trust him so that we can actually more than ever walk out his peace. See, you know, wouldn't you love to give somebody an emotion, like a positive emotion? Wouldn't you love to say, gosh, I feel so much love towards you. I wish I could give you my feeling. I wish you could feel what I feel for you. Or I have so much admiration for you. I wish you could admire yourself the way that I do. These are, this is a common thing that we as humans want to do. And what Jesus is saying to us is, he goes, I know that you feel peaceful around me. I wish you could feel that same peace. So he says, so I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you my peace. So we have to embrace peace in the midst of these circumstances that, that beg for us to spiral into anxiety and despair. Because it's really about trust. Jesus gave us his peace as his legacy for us. We need to learn to trust him. So I'm going to tell you a little story when we come back about a very finicky little cat that I had and how God really showed me about this issue of peace and trust and how it's that peace that passes all understanding and the trust that comes with that. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about peace. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me. We are right at the half hour, so we have a half hour more to go. I want to make sure that you know you can go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and the shows, the most recent shows are are loaded onto the website. You can download them from the website and listen to them on your computer. You can send them to other people. We also have study guides, and I so appreciate you on uh, just on social media and letting me know the things that are helping the things that encourage you because I really want to be able to do that for you on a daily basis or at least you know a couple of times weekly that you would know there is a a kind you know voice that's out there that does care and so we are talking today about peace and the peace that passes all understanding And that this was Jesus' parting gift to the world when he was ascending to the Father to go home to heaven. And he said, it's my peace that I leave with you. And we were talking in the last segment about 
you know, he didn't leave all he didn't leave money to them. He didn't leave fame. He didn't leave beauty. He didn't leave confidence. He didn't leave, you know, brilliance. There's so many things that he could have left them. But you see, he understands humans. And he knew that we needed peace. And that peace that passes all understanding, that's that wonderful contentment or that just settled down feeling that you get that you know everything's going to be okay. And usually humans really can only get it with other humans, maybe sometimes with animals. But really, wow, we don't want to be alone when we're afraid. We don't want to be in the dark afraid a lot of times. We don't want to go into a scary, dark building all by ourselves. And so Christ knew that his peace would be the greatest thing for us to have with us always if we will take it. If we will experience it, if we will let his peace reign in our mortal bodies. Now, that's hard to do. I'm quite an anxious person sometimes. I'm quite sensitive. I can get rattled. I'm I'm pretty stable. I mean, I am that. But, you know, I'm kind of an an easily affected person. So I, I really love this idea that Jesus gave us peace as the parting gift. And and I was saying in the last segment, I, I'm going to tell you about this little finicky cat. Well, I have to tell you, finicky is a kind word. This was kind of my devil cat. This cat was a, was a Bengal, and he he was the most beautiful creature I, I, I have ever had. But he was wild. He was mean. I mean, really mean. Now, he loved me, but he, he was not a nice cat. And so... I, God gave me this example of the peace that passes all understanding this evening, one evening when I was caring for this cat. I was pouring cat food into his bowl, of all things, when I felt the Lord speaking to me. And this is what I heard. God said to me, Cynthia, you feed and care for your cat every day and every night, even though he's not always a very good cat. But you do this because he belongs to you. You give him what he needs. He doesn't do anything to merit it. He just receives it, trusting every day that you'll care for him. And I thought, my goodness, that's how God wants me to feel about him. He says, have I ever let you down? Have I ever let you down, Cynthia? I've not always done what you wanted me to do, but I haven't let you down. And when I realized that I had this, this devil cat that trusted me implicitly, knew I was going to take care of him, it didn't have anything to do with his behavior. <laughs> I mean, he was not nice. But I loved him. And so I, I thought, wow, God, that is how you feel about us as people. You love us. We belong to you. And you want to care for us. And you will care for us even when we are really difficult when we are really acting out, when we are being very mean, when we are doing all the things that are opposite of you, God, you still will care for us. And that's the peace that we really want to have and take with us as we are interacting with other people that are also very anxious about these times. So it reminds me 
of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. And this is regarding the lilies of the field and how they're clothed more beautifully even than, than King Solomon. And you don't see the lilies of the field wringing their petals, wondering how God will feed and clothe them. And you certainly wouldn't see my cat spending a single moment in anxiety, (laughs) wondering if I'm going to feed him. So how much more is the Father who loves us and cares for us, in abundance, going to give us what we need? Just like my cat, just like the lilies. He loves imperfect things. And thank God he doesn't base his care on our behavior. Join me in the next segment as we finish today's show. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today, and we are in our last segment for this hour. Make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you can listen to the show in its entirety or any of your favorite podcast servers. And if you can't find it on your podcast server that you use, just email us, let us know, and we will make sure we load the shows on the one that you like. So we are talking about peace, and I thought in light of what's going on in our world, actually, in our, especially in our country, that it would be really encouraging and helpful for me and for all of us to really recognize that we can still have peace and to not be easily moved and rattled with the current circumstances and situations that seem so painful and so scary, so mean, so harsh, so very difficult to understand and kind of feeling helpless. And so when we look at this idea of peace and that this was God's parting gift to us, this is what Jesus left us with. He didn't leave us with faith. He didn't say, I'm going to leave you with all kinds of love. He said, the gift I'm going to leave with you is peace. And so when we look at this verse, this, this passage in the Message Bible, it says, I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I've told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. This is my parting gift to you. It's peace. I don't leave you the way you've been used to being left, feeling abandoned and bereft. So don't be upset and don't be distraught. And it goes on to say in the voice um, version, which I really like, it says, my peace is the legacy I leave to you. I don't give you gifts like those of the world. So don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. See, if we, if we are ones that have been given that gift of peace from God, then what we want to do is take peace with us. And peace does not mean we agree with everything. Peace doesn't mean I'm standing with you in the behavior I'm seeing you doing. Or I'm taking on your thoughts and agreeing with them. It means I'm going to work really hard at not fighting with you and work really hard at not hating you, being disappointed in you, judging you, condemning you. I'm going to work really hard 
I'm just being at peace with you. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we're going to act like pushovers because that's never what Jesus did. But it means that we're trying not to add to the strife. That doesn't mean we don't get passionate. doesn't mean we don't take stands. We do. We need to stand up for righteousness. We need to stand up for goodness, for things that are beautiful, of, of you know, that, that things that would be healthy for our world, for our lives, for our children, for our future. But we want to make sure that the way we do it is not in a condemnatory, judgmental, or any kind of unforgiving manner. So this gift is the culmination of everything. And when you think about this, we we have to be willing to be at peace with everyone that we love. And that doesn't mean agreement. Now, there are some people that we might have to say to them, I can't be in relationship with you in order and keep peace. So the only way I can be at peace with you is to not be in relationship with you. So what I want you to think about as things are escalating on the planet, I want you to think about worry versus peace. And God knows, Jesus knew, that we could worry and we know how very toxic worry is for our system. And I've done shows on this before. And so I want you to think about the idea that worry and peace cannot coexist. You can't be worried and peaceful at the same time. Now, worry is much easier to, to attain. It really takes no effort to be worrying about things. Peace, that takes some effort. See, why can worry and peace not coexist? Well, the way that God designed our brains, we can only process one or the other. We can't process two things at the same time. So we can't be processing how much we worry and also process how available peace is for us. So neuroscientists have discovered this really interesting phenomenon about the human brain, and it really is like an on and off switch. And if you're interested in more of this, you can look at the book, words, How Words Can Change Your Brain. And it's really an amazing book of what they have come, wh- how well they understand the brain these days. It's the really most current neuroscience that we have. So what they have found as they have studied the phenomenon is that it can't focus on both a positive and negative feeling at the same time. So what this huge discovery resulted in is they saw that the brain always picked the negative before the positive. And it's an unconscious survival mechanism. See, our brains are always trying to help us avoid pain. So as a result, it's going to focus on the problem rather than on the solution as a way to change it and protect us against the pain of the problem. So it really works in reverse when we look at the verse in Proverbs 23, 7, when it says, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. So this is how it works. Instead of when we think about the problem, we become better problem solvers. We get more inundated with the problem. So this quite simply means that the more I worry about things, people, situations, the more anxious I become, the more my mind will find to worry about. So the reason that this this reverse is that trying to protect me from the pain 
The brain's idea to do that is to try to work on that problem, even if it's not solvable. So when you think about this idea about my cat, all right, he's not worrying. He trusts. So God is saying to us, I made you, I created you. If you worry, this will compromise you and even can kill you. So don't drink the poison of worry. It really is a slow kill. It is. It's very hard on your body, very hard on your brain. It rewires your brain, in fact, and creates new neural pathways that speed up your ability to worry more efficiently. (laughs) So you want to be very careful with that. So we must maintain really the highest level of positivity in order to counteract the effects of negativity on our bodies, on our spirits, our souls, and our relationships. Now, I'm not talking about being Pollyanna. That's absurd. Our brain is smart enough to know that it's not true, right? So we have found in, in this research that by taking a picture of your brain with an MRI scanner, that neural changes happen in your brain within one second of a negative thought. In one second, the amygdala, that's, remember, that, that amazing part, that, that part of our brain that functions with the fight, flight, or freeze, that part of our brain immediately releases dozens of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters. And those brain chemicals immediately interrupt that normal functioning of the brain, especially the part of the brain that's involved with logic, reason, and problem-solving. So, in other words... Negative thinking and worry puts you in survival mode, even if nothing dangerous is currently happening to you. So the more you stay focused on the negative, the negative words or the thoughts, the more you actually damage the key structures of your brain that regulate memory, feelings, and emotions. It ends up disrupting your sleep, your appetite, and the way your brain regulates happiness It affects that part of your brain. It's harder to be happy the more you practice worry. The more you practice worry, the more your brain has a tendency to walk out what you're worrying about. It's that whole idea of that that, that strange phenomenon as as I'm I'm creating my, my, my future by what I'm thinking today. And so it's like, wow, I didn't even realize I'd been thinking about that for as long as I was, and now it's happening to me. So I tell you this to show you why God so adamantly says, do not worry. He really knows what he's talking about. It really harms us and lowers our effectiveness. See, you did not see Jesus worrying. He was concerned about others, concerned about himself, concerned about making sure that he was doing the call that God had on his life, but he didn't sit around and worry. So the science of the mind really is now catching up with the Bible and proving what God has been saying to us all along. So this means we don't even need faith to believe the truth about what God is saying. Now he's showing us scientifically that what he is saying is true. So I have an example I can give you. I have a client whose brain was really burned out. So I encouraged him to talk to his brain with compassion. And to tell his brain, say, hey, relax, you can do this. You're capable. You'll pull through this trauma. You'll get through this. You've always been on my side. You're helping me. Now, I know this sounds strange, but what 
he was essentially doing was building new neurological connections. So he was actually rewiring his brain. He was teaching his brain to think differently instead of these automatic responses and thoughts that he had been memorizing for years. So when we do brain mapping on people, what we find is that when you think about peace, love, and joy, the thalamus, this is in the center of your brain, in the command center, it takes that word and disseminates it through the rest of your brain. And so when you think about peace, love, and joy, the thalamus goes, oh, thank you. I will give the entire brain a wash of peace, love, and joy. So instead of moving into fight or flight, it takes the frustration out of your brain. And it helps you to stay or move to the frontal lobe, which is where you have judgment. And this is how we reset your brain. Similar to, have you ever tried to reset your computer? When you just said, I don't know what this thing is doing, I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to let it sit. I'll turn it back on. So this is why I want you to really be thinking about this. That Jesus never worried about money. Judas was the one who always worried about money. Having Jesus in you means you have his feelings. Not just knowing it cognitively, but he wants you to feel actually the way he feels. Just like how you would wish someone could feel the way you feel if it's positive. So that they really understand. So when we're overwhelmed by problems and circumstances, we can look at Jesus and borrow his peace. He says, my peace I give to you, and it's a gift. So when you borrow it, keep it. Keep it. So this is where it's very important that we think about words and how words affect us. And when we think about Jesus is the word, he's the word of God, he is in the flesh, the word. I want you to think about what you're thinking and thinking toward and thinking about yourself and your world around you. Because I want you to be a peace agent for your world. I want you to have the energy to relax and be kind and polite and loving and accepting and compassionate. I don't want you to change your moral code. I want you to be kind. So God has given us an antidote for how hard life is. Peace. That's what it is. Peace. How precious that is. So accept his gift of peace. Thank him for his gift of peace. Nothing is, too impo- is impossible for God. He is the God of the impossible. He's the God of me. He's the God of you. And I'm thankful for that. And nothing is impossible for God. So be at peace. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to talking with you next week. And God be with you. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and iTunes. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.